Okay, I'm glad to see everybody here again. Um, last week we were talking about the levels of the soul. Can everybody hear me okay? <clears throat> and this is basically where we ended last week with the levels of the soul. Um, here, let me... Levels of the soul, which are Yahida, Haya, Nishama, Ruach, Nefesh, and how they um, emanate from the various universes, the worlds. Adam Kadmon, the very highest, Atsilut, Berea, Yetzira, and Asiya. And how they also correspond with the um, letters, the Yudche Babche, the letters of Hashem's name, from the apex of the Yud being the crown to the yud hey vav hey now this week what we're going to talk about is going to be a continuation of this yes but it's also going to be um, something a little bit different we're going to talk about spherot and how um, they are defined because all of these things are going to be important as we go into an understanding of the teachings, the Torah teachings about healing. Just one moment while I pull up the next slide. There we go. Well, this may be familiar to some of you. This is the array of the spherot. And these are spelled different ways by different people in English. It depends on who you're listening to. So at the very top is Keter. And Keter is Hebrew for crown. And on, this, on the right hand side we have the array arranged in three columns. The right side is considered masculine, the left side is feminine, and then the middle we have the middle pillar, which is like between the two. So the, the crown is the top of the middle pillar. And then on the right hand side now the right hand side is more um, giving and then the left hand side is more restraint. But we're going to explain that in other terms because sometimes when we think about it in terms of giving and then judgment or something like that, we'll use these kind of terms and it doesn't really get across the true meaning of it. Chokhmah means literally um, wisdom. So Hochma is wisdom and Bina is understanding. They go together. They work together. And this whole area here at the top is the area of mind. It's the area of the intellect, including Da'at. Da'at is knowledge. And that's not really a sphera that is always um, present. You only have ten spheres. So if you have Da'at present, then you don't have Keter. If you have Keter, you don't have Da'at. And that's the reason that it's kind of these little um, dashes around it, because it's not, it's kind of, um, it's funny, I don't know exactly how to put that, that it's there, but it's not there. Okay, and then the next level is the emotional level. The um, This will be the sixth of the level after that and it's Hesed which is loving kindness Gevura which is restraint or strength sometimes it's called Din or for judgment Tiferet is the center it's the heart it means beauty harmony Netzach is victory Hod is splendor 
and Yesod is foundation. And then underneath that you have Malchut, which is the kingdom. Literally it means kingdom. Now, we'll see how those line up here in a chart that puts it all together with the last chart. Okay. Now remember last time when we talked about how the levels of the soul and how they emanated from the various levels of the universes and we had the corresponding letters of Hashem's name. Now this is how the spherot lay in there and how they correspond with these levels. Adam Kadmon is the highest level of the universes and in the spherot Keter is going to correspond with this level which is Yechida on the level of the soul Adam Kadmon on the level of the universes and Keter in the Spherot and it's the apex of the Yud. And then the next level is Chaya. Now this is um, unique essence. This is living essence. Remember that? And then it corresponds with the world of Atsilut which means nearness. And this is um, and it's interesting how this is broken up Chochmah and Bina we see right across from each other here on the array of the spherot. But Chochmah and Bina um, are, correspond with two different worlds. Chochmah, which is wisdom, corresponds with Atzilut. And Bina, understanding, corresponds with Baria, which is the world of creation. And so you have Chochmah is corresponding to the Yud in Hashem's name, and Bina corresponds with the He. Now, if you know anything about how Hebrew works, you'll notice that these two letters together make a name that is familiar to us. Yud He is the name Yah. When we say Hallelujah, we are saying praise God by this name yud Hey, And there are many places in the Psalms that evoke this name. Now actually the name Yah usually and does correspond not so much with Chokhmah and Bina together but with Chokhmah on its own. And Bina corresponds with another name of Hashem. It is actually um, kind of a, an unusual thing because it is yud but when we see it, it has the vowel points to tell us not to, not to say Adonai, as we normally do, but to pronounce it Elohim. And so on the left-hand side where we have the restraint, it's called the um, side of Gevurot. And this is the side of restraint, but it is also the side in which, like with Bina, where creation was coming into our world. It was coming down into reality. And so it's taking shape. And you can think about this in terms of masculine with Chokhmah and, and feminine with Bina. In that Chokhmah is called Abba or father, and Bina is called Ima or mother. So when you have the father and the mother, the child comes into the world through the mother. And so this is what it means. This is what is meant by these ideas come down through the world. And, and it's coming down into reality. You start getting it into our world, into reality in Bina. It's where you're actualizing it, understanding, you're grasping it, it's bringing it down. That's with Bina. Then you have the next six. and I'm going to go into a little bit more about each one of these in, in a minute. 
but you have the next six which are um, Chesed, loving kindness, Gevura, which is restraint, Tiferet, harmony or beauty, Netzach is victory, Hod is splendor, and Yesod is foundation. And these, all these six, correspond with the Vav of Hashem's name. Now, if you know uh, about the numerical value of the letters, you know that Vav numerically is six. So, interestingly, these six spherot correspond with the Vav. And this is corresponding with the soul level of Ruach and the world of Yitzira. Now, when we look at this from a point of view of the anatomy of, the, of a human being, we lay it onto a human being. And we know that like the temple was made in the image of a human being. It's, it's a little bit difficult for us to quite understand how that is, but there are these images, anthropomorphic images, and so the understanding that we have of the attributes of Hashem also lay over an anthropomorphic image. Now when we look at this array of the sphero, we don't see a human being. I mean, we just see some spheres here and some lines pulling them together, and we don't see a human being. But the sphero also, like lay over, anthropomorphically, lay over the image of a human being. So, at the very top would be the crown, the crown of the head. And Chokhmah is right brain, and Bina is left brain. And so this is all in the area of the head. So the top area here is the area of the head. And in Hebrew it's called Mochim, or it's the um, area of the intellect, the thought processes. So this is the area of the head. And then when we get to these six, then we're getting into the body. Chesed is the right arm, and Gevura is the left arm, and Tefera is like the torso, the torso of the body, or the center mass of the body. Netzach would be the right leg, and the Hod is the left leg, and I am the, um, the who's organs also that correspond with right and left, like the kidneys. And then Yisod is the foundation, it's the um, reproductive organs. And Malchut is our interface with our body and the, and the earth. Malchut means um, kingdom or kingship. And it corresponds with the last hay. This corresponds with our um, soul level of nephesh, and we said that nephesh is in the blood. Nephesh is the, is the level of the soul that animates our body, that gives us our, like our animal soul, that gives us the life for our body to move around, and so on. Um, and this corresponds with the world of Asiya. Asiya is, is the finishing, the, the, um, the final touches. It means making. So, Malchut, we look at it like this, as being an interface of the spherot with, between um, heaven and earth. It's where our feet touch the ground. And here, Nephish is where it is the animating part of the soul that is like an interface between our body and our soul. And so we have this level here of an interface here between our world and the next world. Is this level of Asiya. Actually, it's a little bit lower than the interface. The interface, you get more into that with Ruach. Because this interface is between, remember last time we talked about this, how it interfaces between Nefesh and Neshama, is the Ruach. Remember the um, the analogy of the glass blower, and he blows through the pipe, like the vav, which is a long, straight 
line. Um, he blows through the pipe, and so it's an interface between the spirit, which would be fire, and the vessel. This is the interface between the two. The spirit, the, the, wind, the wind is this, but the spirit going into the breath, the shama is breath, going through the pipe into the vessel of Nefesh. And so these six spherot correspond with that, like the pipe of it coming through into the vessel. Now the first property of the soul corresponds with Keter, which is the crown. And Keter is the superconscious experience of the soul. And just like the crown sits on the head, this is the will. This is the will. Now these are like interfacing, like I said, this is laying over anthropomorphically, laying over a human being. So we understand these attributes for Hashem, and now we're understanding how they relate to us as well. So the Keter is like will. This is the will of Hashem. Just like the crown sits on the head, above the head, so too Keter reflects the power in the soul to connect to a transcendent region that's beyond the horizon of the conscious mind. A region outside the domain of normative logic and reason. Remember what is above Adam Kadmon, the Ein Sof. It's beyond what we can even hope to grasp. It's beyond guessing. And so this is that, we were talking about an interface here, and this is the highest part. The superconsciousness. In Hasidic thought, the realm of superconsciousness is broken down into three distinct superconscious experiences faith, pleasure, and will. In the context of healing, we must first believe in God the Creator, who heals all flesh and acts wondrously. One must then connect with the innate pleasure of life and will to be healed. Now next are the three intellectual properties of the soul and we see these, what he's doing is he's separating um, the da'at here, so Keter is up here, Keter is above and we don't have da'at here, I didn't include that, but it would be this triad here, you have a triad here, a triad here, and Kochma, Bina and Da'at are another triad. So you have the wisdom, understanding, and da'at, which is right here, is knowledge. The first intellectual property of the soul, chokhmah, literally wisdom, refers to the mind's intuitive ability to uncover and perceive new insights. By introducing new flashes of insight into a person's consciousness, chokhmah provides the mind with the conceptual seed or kernel idea from which all cognitive thought sprouts. The manifestation of Hochma in the soul depends upon the degree to which one possesses an inner state of selflessness. Selflessness creates the concave vessel in the soul that draws like a vacuum, draws itself into itself, spiritual light and life force. Bina, the second intellectual property of the soul, reflects the native analytical ability of the mind, which processes and structures new insights by means of contrast and comparison. This logical construction process yields fully matured and developed states of consciousness. The inner psychological experience of Bina in the soul is joy. So the inner state of Chokhmah is selflessness, 
and Bina is joy. Joy in the service of God comes from a full understanding of the great merit afforded to a mortal finite human given the opportunity to serve the infinite one. Blessed be he. Hasidu teaches that joy, the inner experience of understanding, fuels the soul's longing to return and become one with God, which is what tshuva means. In Isaiah we find, and his heart shall understand, and he shall return to God and become healed. This is the power of understanding and joy to healing. And one of the things that Rabbi Nachman always said was that the um, the path to healing is joy. That people become sick because they lose their joy, because they become depressed. The third intellectual property of the soul, da'at, literally knowledge, and this is up here, as I said, that triad here, is the ability to unite the two previous mental processes of Chochmah and Bina and is dependent on the power of concentration. Da'at relates to the truth that is perceived as a unified whole and is thus an inner psychological experience of unification. So you have this process where you'll have an idea and then it comes down and it starts becoming analyzed so that it can come down into the world and then Da'at is that um, synthesis of these two brings it into unification the experience of unification is the conscious counterpart of the highest of the three superconscious levels of the soul faith knowledge of God the healer reflects one's absolute faith in him and his power to heal by connecting to him consciously we draw his healing power into our entire being after this we come to the three emotive um, levels of the soul we're going to come down here to the Vav and it's Hesed, Gevura and Tiferet Hesed is loving kindness Gevura is might, restraint and Tiferet is beauty Hesed, literally loving kindness denotes the expansive state of the heart in which it is emotionally open and eager to give Motivated by love, the attribute of chesed expresses itself as giving to another out of concern for the other's spiritual growth. By contrast, gevura, literally might, falls into the category of restraint, causing one to withhold, and it's motivated by fear. In the context of health, love motivates one to feel concern for the well-being of others, as well as for one's own well-being and seek means to improve physical health. The fear of illness, on the other hand, augments one's conscious drive to maintain good health. It provides one with a balanced, not over-exaggerated sense of caution and restraint with regard to unhealthy items or situations. Ideally, both the love of good health and the fear of disease should exist for God's sake in order to best fulfill one's purpose in life. And the third emotive property arrives as the synthesis between the first two. Tiferet, literally beauty, denotes the beautiful effect of combining many colors. Balancing between the extremes of loving kindness and restraint or judgment, Tiferet is identified with mercy or compassion and to draw down healing into the world for yourself or for others. It is absolutely essential. Compassion is absolutely essential. There's no other way, no other vessel that can draw healing into the world. We have to have compassion in order to do that. Compassion is one sense of sincere empathy with another. So you can feel for the other person even if you don't actually feel their pain you can feel for them you have sympathy for that person and here healing another's illness is experienced as healing oneself it's the love for the other person 
as though you are loved, just in the same way as you're loving yourself, that you care for that other person to be whole in the same way as you would want yourself. So you do have to have a love for yourself, compassion for yourself, in order to be able to pray for other people. And this is something that's very important. Now, in the very top here, we talk about selflessness in Chokhmah, but this has to be in a balanced way. It's a very, very high thing, but it has to be in a balanced way. It doesn't mean degrading of yourself. It means not putting yourself first. It means being able to connect with other people. And this is compassion. One feels on his flesh the illness of the other and rejoices in his recovery. In Kabbalah, this is seen as the most essential spiritual property of a dedicated healer. Next come the three operative or behavioral properties, and we'll say emotional, but also behavioral, of the soul. Described by the functions they perform, they serve to direct the energy and output of the mind and heart into action. And they are Netzach, which is victory, Hod, which is thanksgiving, and Yesod, foundation. Netzach, literally victory, refers to the ability to overcome obstacles in executing an action. This depends upon one's sense of confidence. So it's very important when a person is going to ask for healing or for himself or for another person that he has confidence. Confidence in Hashem. Confidence in his faith in Hashem. So this is Netzach. With regard to healing, we're confident that with God's help, the efforts made to facilitate our cure will bear fruit. In times of illness, the Torah instructs us to seek the aid of the most expert physician available and follow his or her advice. God is a true healer. By his emissary, the expert physician. While we see a doctor making every effort to cure ourselves and lead a healthy life, we anchor our trust in God alone. So we're not supposed to just put our faith in a, in a human being. But at the same time, this again is about balance. That we're not supposed to say, well, I'm not going to go to the doctor. I'm just going to completely uh, put my faith in God. That might work. But Hashem puts, um, he puts things into this world to help us. He puts plants into this world, herbs into this world that help us get well. He puts people in the world who have the ability to heal. And he gives them the gifts. He gives them the, the knowledge for them to be able to heal. And so these are things that we are supposed to utilize. It's not a bad thing to utilize it. But all the, t all the time that we are doing that, we have to maintain that our real faith is in Hashem as our healer. Because it's, it's a real truth that you can have all the right medicine, you can have the procedure that goes absolutely perfect according to a textbook and still not get well. You can still die and the doctor be standing there going, everything went right, I don't understand. Because your life ultimately is not in his hands. It's in the hands of Hashem. You can also have the worst treatment you can have misdiagnosis, you can have everything go wrong, and get well. Because, ultimately, your life is in Hashem's hands. In fact, um, Rabbi Nachman even said that if a person had the right faith, and he was taking, like, even water, that it could be prayed over that that water would have the, the, the ability to heal this person. And people do it. I mean, it's, it's known. How, have you ever heard of Kabbalah water? It's basically that kind of concept where there have been prayers said over water, and it does change the energy of the water. It really does. And then a person drinks it, and it has an effect on him. 
and at some point in the future we might even get into some of those things how there's energy in our world and how different things can change that energy and it affects our health for the good or for the bad so we have to in order to live a balanced healthy life we have to have faith in Hashem our trust in Him alone that even if we are going to the doctor even if we are taking medicine that these are vessels through which He will heal us yes but ultimately the healing comes from Hashem the next Sphira Hod is called is literally thanksgiving it's the power to persevere by acknowledging God as the source of all of one's abilities and thanking God for all that he bestows here one walks a path of simplicity and sincerity here together with his complete faith in God who will surely heal him he accepts the pain he experiences with love for God remembering that he whom he loves does God chastise his complete faith assures him that his temporary suffering is in fact a cleansing rectifying process for both soul and body so while he's going through this he doesn't have his faith shaken by I'm going through all this horrible pain he doesn't have his faith shaken by I'm not seeing the cure right this minute and he perseveres and he has faith even through all of the pain that whatever is happening is for a reason that whatever is going on in in him in his life whatever pain he's experiencing is for a reason it's for an atonement for his sins it's to bring him to repentance which he is lovingly going to do everything that's happening is for a reason and that he looks inside for that reason I'm suffering what is the reason and instead of blaming Hashem and saying how could this happen to me he looks inside and he has thanks thanks to Hashem that he's bringing him to the ability to the place where he can rectify himself in this world and not have to go on into the next world for punishment which is worse and he's able to do the work on his soul in this world and so this is a thing for us to give thanks for and to come through it to come through it that he has the confidence the netzach that he's going to come through it one way or the other he's going to come through it and then the third one in this group is called Yisod or foundation and it's the power of self-actualization and sense of self-fulfillment self-fulfillment is known in Kabbalah and Hasidut as the attribute of truth for it's dependent upon one's devoted efforts to validate oneself both to oneself within and to the world at large and here one reaches the apex of one's drive to be healthy and sound in body and soul truth brings Keter super consciousness sense of the innate pleasure of life to its consummate state of experiential fulfillment sound health becomes one's true reality so you see an interplay of all of these attributes pulling down the superconsciousness down into the world of our world which is Malchut and the final property of the soul is called Malchut kingdom a kingdom is a person's domain of influence likewise a kingdom is the expression of all the powers of the soul to become manifest in outer reality and actually affect the world Hasidu teaches that true sensitivity to one's domain of influence one's kingdom depends on one's sense of lowliness as expressed by King David the archetypical soul of Malchut I shall always be lowly in your eyes in lowliness one says to himself I do not deserve to be healthy 
as in the case with regard to all the gifts of life, good health is a gift of God. I must try my best to emulate God and bestow the gift of whatever my good ad- advance, whatever may advance good health upon all those in my circle of influence. So this is kingdom and how we have an influence not only in our own lives but in the lives of those around us. So going back up here, the crown is superconsciousness. That's the power of the soul. And the inner psychological experience of that is faith, pleasure, and will. So in context of healing, this is belief in God, the healer, and the connection to the innate pleasure of life and the will to be healed. And this is Keter. And then in Chokhmah, is wisdom or insight. That's the power of the soul, Chaya. It's insight. And it's experienced through selflessness. And the vessel, it's the vessel of drawing healing power into itself. And Bina is understanding, which is analysis, the power of the soul of analysis. And the way we experience that psychologically is joy. In context of healing, it's the joy that comes with returning to God in joy. This is the hay. So we put this together, the yud and the hay for yah, and we have the synthesis of the two is da'at, which is right here. This concentration, it's a unification of these ideas, bringing the synthesis of insight and analysis together and in context of healing it's to know God the healer to be, and through him we're healed it's knowing that it's through Hashem that we're healed the next is Hasid, loving kindness and it's giving power of the soul is giving and expressed through love this is a sincere concern for the well-being of others Navura is restraint and it's expressed through fear. So we have, we're always told in the Torah that we're supposed to love Hashem and we're supposed to fear Hashem. We have these two that we're supposed to balance, that we're supposed to serve Hashem with love and fear. So it's the two sides of Chesed and Gavura and they also play out in healing. And in the fear is the caution with regard to anything unhealthy that we're going to stay away from unhealthy things and we're going to guard our health and so these two things play together and then you have the balance of these two into ferret and it is expressed through compassion it's the true empathy with the sick and literally when a person has a gift of healing this empathy can actually become so strong that he, in his physical body, feels the pain of the person who is ill. He will connect with that person and he will literally, physically feel the illness. And that is compassion. Now, sometimes we think the word compassion or mercy can be used interchangeably with love. But love means one thing and compassion means another. Compassion and mercy mean something different. Yes, you have to love in order to have compassion. But compassion is a different term. Compassion means going with that person. It's more, you know, like with empathy. You have to have love to have empathy with uh, another person. But in the book of Isaiah, it talks about, Hashem says, when you go through the fire, I'll be with you. When you go through the water, I'll be with you. He's not saying, I'm going to keep you from the fire. He's not saying, I'm going to keep you from the water, or I'm going to save you from it. 
He's saying, I'll be with you. And this is what compassion really is. It is the going with the other. It's descending into that painful place. This is another thing that a healer has to be able to do. When we pray for people for healing, this is this is the part that, that is about malchut, about domain. It's those people who are around you, who are connected to you, that you are meant to pray for. It's not every single person in the whole world. We are not Hashem. Hashem can care for every single person in the whole world. We don't have that capacity. So, he puts all these different souls in the world, and they're connected. And we have our domain, our malchut, our kingdom, where we have certain people who are involved with us, who are touching us, who Hashem brings into our realm. And those people we can feel for. If you've ever been in that place where you feel the pain of another person, literally, that you pray for, you will understand that it would be impossible for a human being to, you couldn't, you couldn't bear it to do this for every single person in the world. You couldn't do it. And Hashem knows that. That's for Him to carry. But when, when a person prays for others for healing, there will come a time where, and, and even that for one person, it can become so overwhelming that he can't that you can't do it and you need Hashem to help you so you're really um, praying and you're connecting with that person but you're also having to connect with Hashem in order to do it because we have to always remember this is something that's really important if you are praying for people for healing you have to remember you are not God whether the person receives the healing, how he receives the healing, is totally with, up to the will of Hashem. For him. We are not God. And so we can't carry those burdens the way God can. That's his responsibility. There will come times where we feel those things in order to be able to pray more effectively in order to be able to do our part in the world more effectively and those things that we do, those prayers that we pray, how we relate to other people, that interaction that we have with other people is not only for that other person it's also part of the tikkun, of the repair of the work of our own souls what we need to fix for ourselves is going on at the same time as we are praying for other people. And so it's all this interaction going on. And that's the compassion. That's what compassion is all about. We could do a whole class just on that one subject of compassion. And so then we come down to Netzach. Netzach, victory, is overcoming the obstacles. And one of the obstacles that we would have to overcome is our fear or the other person's fear or something that's being said that is like for instance I went to pray well actually it was somebody asked me to pray for a lady and she was telling me she had terminal terminal breast cancer and the doctor's the doctor had said, and I think I've already told you this story, that she was she had no hope, absolutely no hope. Now this would be an obstacle because you're hearing these negative words. Now, am I going to believe those negative words? They could be true. From everything that the doctor is looking at, it could be absolutely true. But a doctor should never ever say that to a person. To say, oh no, you have no hope, you're going to die. No, you should not, a doctor shouldn't say that to another, to a person. Because maybe she will. We all die. But maybe she won't. Maybe she'll get better. Maybe that doctor is going to see a miracle. She that can't really know that. So she shouldn't say, just across the board, nope, you have no hope, you're going to die, that's it. That is an obstacle. And so 
it's difficult for a person to have confidence when they're faced with something like that. So this is where it's Hashem has to just shore us up. And this is another thing that a healer would have to do too, is to help that person build his confidence. Your days are not written in that doctor's schedule book. Your days, your life is written in the book of life in heaven. When you're going to be born, when you're going to die, how you're going to die, it's written in heaven. And sometimes just saying that to a person, just reminding that person of that, because he knows it, but reminding him of it lifts up his soul and helps his confidence. And this is a very important thing. So that his efforts to become well will bear fruit. He has to have confidence. Confidence in Hashem. Not only his ability to heal him, but his will to heal heal him. And then we have Hod, which is um, perseverance. It's thanks. It's thanksgiving. And the power of the soul is perseverance. To persevere even through the pain, even when it looks hopeless, that he perseveres. And it is expressed psychologically through sincerity that whatever God bestows in one's life is surely for his own good. So this is the level of acceptance. Here on the right side, Netzach, is the level of confidence. This is the level of confidence that we can overcome. And on the left side is acceptance. Acceptance of the pain, the suffering, that there is a reason for it. And you have to have both of those things together in order to have balance. One cannot be outweighing the other. I mean, you have to have both of those things coming together. And in that, synthesis is Yisod, its foundation. It's the power of the soul is self-fulfillment. And the way it is expressed is through truth. So you have these two ideas on the right and the left of confidence and then acceptance. You have those two ideas and in the middle is truth. Because the synthesis of those two ideas is truth. What is the truth of this? And that we seek out the truth. We have acceptance. We have confidence. But in the middle, middle of that is truth. And then the very last one is Malchut, kingdom. And this is the power of the soul to influence one's environment. And we talked about that a little bit just a minute ago. To influence one's environment, to have an effect on those, those people in our sphere of influence, those people in our lives. Those people that Hashem brings into our lives. And the inner psychological experience of this is loneliness. And this is where we have to have humility. We have to have humility to understand that we are not the one who brings the healing. It is not us. It is Hashem. And this plays together with all of those other things with the with the love, with the fear with the confidence, with acceptance all of those other things this lowliness to understand that I am only a human being I am a lowly vessel but at the same time I have confidence that Hashem's power can flow through me as the vessel of His choice but we have to understand and this is really where we get the the idea of loneliness that the healer is Hashem that we are limited and that he will do through us what he wishes to do but the power is Hashem now there are times where a healer will experience power he will experience his power come through him but he has to always remind himself that that is not his power that power is Hashem. And so we always have to keep that lowliness. We always have to remind ourselves that Hashem is the real king of our kingdom. Hashem is the real king. And we are only the vessel. We're only the servant. 
So in this we realize that we don't deserve good health, but it is a gift. And whatever gifts Hashem gives to us are gifts, gifts to be used to bring about His will in the world. Does anybody have any questions so far about all of these things that we have discussed tonight? Because I think this is as far as we're going to go. And um, so I would like to have um, some feedback, some discussion about what you think. If you have a question, if you have a comment. And if you have a microphone, you might want to just take the mic. I will give you the mic if you want to. I was wondering about, um, because I've heard something about this before and I never really fully understood it and was thinking about it even today, about how the... um, uh, is it the the, the nephesh that uh, kind of connects with the the blood and uh, is tied to the physical aspects of our body? You know, how does that work? Uh, I remember hearing something along those lines at one time. Yes, that is right. That's the reason that this um, line here, where nephesh is, is the is red, because the nephesh is in the blood. It says the soul is in the blood soul of the animal is in the blood that's the reason we don't eat the the limb of a living animal where there is the blood in it the nephesh is connected to the blood it's the animating part of the soul but like I said it's uh, it is a there are parts of the nephesh there's the animal soul level of that nephesh and there is the higher level of the nephesh as well. Each one of these levels has levels to them. I didn't want to go into that because then it becomes really complex. But right now I just want to keep it kind of simple and just get some definition so that we can understand what's going on as we go forward. So yes, Alan and Eileen, it is a lot to think about. And that's why I don't want to go too fast and, and put out too much at one time so is it just that level what I don't understand the question Um, Alan and Eileen I don't understand the question in the blood yes it is the nephesh that is connected to the blood and then you have the other levels of the sh- of the soul. In fact, the the body is called the shoe of the soul, and it's the nephesh that's like inside the body. And then the ruach and the neshama and the haya are outside. They're like layers outside the body that go straight up and connect in heaven. So it's only the small a small part that's actually in your body. And that is nephesh. Not all of the nephesh is actually, I don't even think, in the body. But we connect to these things. And that's another thing that's a little bit um, difficult for us to comprehend. But that's one reason, too, that I wanted to do this chart like this, where you see one on top of the other. And so here you could imagine the body is right here with the nephesh. And then all of these levels are reaching up into heaven so the lower level yes is connected to the blood 
and that animates us. The animals also have this lower level in their blood. Now remember when I was talking about how the animals are created, how the animals were created, and how human beings were created. For um, the land animals and the human being, man, was, were all created on the same day, on the, on the third, no, sorry, on the sixth day. And so they were all created the same way too, as they were created from the ground, from the dirt of the ground. But the difference was that the animals were created as living souls, living beings, right from the dirt of the ground. And man wasn't created that way. He was created, his body was created, but he was not alive. He was just this, like we would say, like a golem. He was just a shell until Hashem breathed into him. And that was the difference between the animals and man. But the animal soul that animates the right, it's part of the nephesh. It's like the nephesh's two souls. And part of the nephesh is that animal soul that animates body. And that is part the part in the soul in the body that is called that is the reason that the body is called the shoe of the soul. And you notice that when you put your foot into a shoe, that your whole body is not in that shoe. It's just your foot. It's just the bottom part of your body. And the rest of your body is is above that shoe. And so, if you think about it like that, the body is the shoe, and the animal part of the nephesh would be the foot. And then these other levels of the soul, on up into heaven, are like the body. Okay, does anyone else have anything more to add? I do want everybody to, uh, to know that Passover is coming next week and so we are not going to have this class for two weeks because Passover is going is eight days it goes from uh, next Monday night to the next Monday night so I'm not going to be back from California until um, the third week from tonight. Is that the reason for the prohibition of consuming blood? Yes, it is. In fact, that is what the Torah says, that we're not supposed to eat the blood because the, the life is in the blood. And this is talking about the soul of the animal that animates his body. This is the nephesh of the animal is in the blood. We're supposed to have respect for the soul of the animal. And that's the reason that when we would um, kill an animal that we were supposed to bury its blood. We were supposed to put dirt over its blood. We weren't supposed to just throw it away or treat it in some kind of um, an improper way. Okay, you're welcome. And we're going to continue this, like I said, in, um, well, let me see what the date will be. It's going to be in the middle of April. Before I'm back, I'm going to have Pesach with my daughters in California. So it will be the 17th of April when we have our next class. Because I'm going to be coming back from California the 11th, which is two weeks from tomorrow. So, our next class will be the 17th of April for this class. And for the Parsha class, it will be the 16th of April. Okay, thank you. So, I'm going to go ahead and if anybody does anybody have any more questions?
Okay, thank you. And all of you have a nice Pesach. Whatever you're going to do to commemorate it, I wish you, all of you, to have a nice Pesach. And remember that Pesach does have something to say to the people of the nations that I'm going to just quickly go through this. The 70 souls that descended into Egypt are connected to the 70 root nations of all of the world. And so when we think about Pesach as being a picture of redemption, of ultimate redemption, you see that um, it has a message for all people of the world. Like the 70 souls are connected to the 70 nations, the message of Pesach ultimately is something for all people. So just think about that through this next um, week. And so thank you for being in the class, and I wish you all a good evening.